Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning and welcome to the other side of the work week. Thanks for joining me on a Thursday. I'm Stephanie Hoff filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. Enjoy the sun and the high of 21 today because tonight and Friday we're looking at single digits over and under zero degrees. Tomorrow, I hate to break it to you, but a high of five degrees. At least it'll be mostly sunny with light wind. And that's really the worst of it because from Saturday on, temps will be in the mid to upper 30s. Stu Muck will join us live in about 15 minutes with more of those weather details. At the bottom of the hour, we'll talk with Andy Fallman from Everegg on how milk components and cheese are moving into the second month of 2023. I also talked to Senator Tammy Baldwin about the U.S. challenging Canada for not following the rules of USMCA. She breaks it down for us later in the show. But stay tuned because in just a minute, Carrie Mess has a story of how agriculture can find value in specialty food markets, such as cultural cuisines. It's all coming up. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. And from Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook and Twitter. Asma Ahad is the Director of Halal Market Development for the Islamic Food and Nutrition Council of America. She says that farmers should know that demand for foods that meet halal requirements is a growing market. But what does halal mean? What are the requirements? And what do market opportunities look like for farmers? From the southern end of the longest barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. Asma, tell me about what you do in the organization that you work for. I'm working as Director of Halal Market Development for the Islamic Food and Nutrition Council of America. We are probably one of the world's leading certifying bodies for halal, but we do much more than that. We actually were started in 1982, and it was started as a not-for-profit organization just to help people understand what halal is and help halal consumers meet their dietary needs because it's a matter of food security and nutrition equity. And since then, with the the global globalization of the food industry, people, companies, and governmental experts that used to come to us for advice on meeting the needs of halal consumers started asking us to issue certificates. So we kind of fell into certification. So now we are, we're still a not-for-profit organization, but we're financially independent and we also help support different initiatives that promote awareness about equity and diversity in food. For example, we gave a $5 million endowment to Texas A&M University to start the first of its kind uh, food diversity program in the country and people who go through this program they get a certificate that verifies that they understand like different aspects of dietary needs for people whether it's ethnic religious or dietary 
based on their health or uh, like, for example, gluten free or so on and so forth. That's an example. And it's our, our support for food uh, security and nutrition equity is not limited to halal. We do focus on halal because we're a halal certifying body. You know, we do love to enable access to food for everybody. Food is more than just calories in. It's also a tie to our family. It is a tie to where we come from, right? Yeah. You know, and we talk about food and a lot of times people talk about food like it's something basic that you just need to put something on the table and people need to eat it. But what we recognize as people are more get more involved in the industry, food is sacred to everybody, whether it's for a religious reason or cultural reasons or continuity of tradition. There's a sacred space for food. And, and when we understand how to meet that, we, we're able to serve people in the ways that are meaningful and valuable to them. Asma, tell me, who is it that is looking for halal certified foods? That's a great question. So let me take a step, step back and say the halal is a set of dietary guidelines laid out um, in the in the Quran have been practiced for over 1400 years by Muslims in the world. And so people who are looking for halal food will most likely be Muslim. And what we're finding though, halal does have an appeal beyond the Muslim consumer. Uh, for example, a lot of college campuses that offer halal food service options, a majority of the people who are going to the food service stations that have halal food are not Muslim. And, you know, there's something around the perception um, of the proteins uh, and the food overall that's being offered that uh, they find appealing. I know there's a lot of nuance here, but can you tell me some of the main points for halal requirements? Halal literally in the, in the Arabic means permissible. And it could be used for anything. Like if you say something's okay to do, you can say that's halal and you could do it. But it's most often used for food. When people ask me, how do I know what's halal and what's not? And I like to say, everything's halal with the exception of these five things. And it's like uh, pork is forbidden. Alcohol is forbidden. Anything that's cross-contaminated with pork and alcohol can uh, forbidden. Blood is forbidden. There's animals that are carnivorous that are forbidden. And those things, so like blood and carnivorous animals, we're not eating lions every day. You know what I mean? So it's right. really like, I, I'm not, I don't stress that too much, but those are things that are forbidden. Um, some other things that are, that are not acceptable are like certain type of lizards um, and uh, other reptiles. And there are some specific requirements on how animals who meet halal requirements are slaughtered, right? So we can, let's go into what halal slaughter is. So when we say that all those things are forbidden, but everything else is acceptable. So then like, for example, chicken or beef, those things are acceptable. But um, our, our organization, according to our standards, the animal has to be slaughtered in the uh, in, in, in uh, accordance to Islamic jurisprudence, which is uh, which is several things. One thing is the method of slaughter which is the animal, it cannot be dead upon the time of slaughter. And the it has to be cut with the, the neck, uh, the, the veins in the neck of the animal have to be cut in quickly with a sharp knife. And the, the person who is slaughtering has to be an experienced slaughter person. So they do not experience, uh, that the animal doesn't experience pain, excessive pain upon slaughter. Prior to that, we do look at the feed that the animal is fed. Uh, we look for, you know, non-animal proteins. We do actually have a set of guidelines that we follow and it's not as strict like some people say we only allow organic or whatever whatnot it's not strict like that but it's really looking at the source of the ingredients 
that the animals. So we've mostly been talking about animal products, but when we look beyond that, looking at your grains, cereals, vegetables, fruit, that kind of thing, are there halal requirements there? That's a great question. Like uh, somebody just asked me about eggs yesterday. I'm like, you can go and just buy eggs and serve them. They don't have to be certified. I think the, the biggest thing is when you have processed ingredients, those are the things that need the most oversight, right? So sometimes like, for example, yogurt will have gelatin in it or cheeses will have enzyme in, in it, right? So looking at the sources of the enzymes and gelatin are both questionable, if not not permissible in several cases. So, you know, those are the things that warrant further review. So this is when we talk about the broader appeal of halal is we really go to the source of a production and the source of ingredient. And I think there's a whole movement around understanding the source of ingredient. So let's talk about demand in the market for halal certified foods. What does that look like right now? Is there a lot of growth? You know, what's interesting is that a couple of years ago, I would say even like 10 years ago, five years ago, like people were starting to see halal, you know, say, oh, people are asking about it, but they really didn't understand like how to do it. And they were okay with just kind of just asking questions and being curious. But what I've noticed in the past couple of years is that halal has popped up as a top trend in several food spaces, especially like food service. And the people are really wanting to understand how to do it right. And, and I'm not talking from a consumer and I'm talking from a professional life, people in industry or people food service operators, they want to do it right because they want to have veracity and credibility behind their program. I know what's driving this is consumer demand. For example, there was a survey done at a high school in Chicago. It's a Chicago public school that's nicknamed Refugee High. The reason it's nicknamed Refugee High is so many students that attend there are refugees. About 15% of the population there is Muslim. And a lot of them come from refugee backgrounds, immigrant backgrounds, a lot of low-income students. And Chicago Public Schools offers free lunches, free breakfast and free lunch for their students. And those students are forgoing free meals, even if they're food insecure in other parts of their lives, because it doesn't meet halal dietary guidelines. They actually got the attention of Aramark and the CPS leaders in the food service space in the Aramark said, you know what, this is something we should really respect and we should really have a conversation about to move this forward. And I think they're in, they're in the works of addressing the needs of these consumers. I've noticed at our small town elementary school, the menu on Fridays during Lent does not include meat. And I've been to many conferences that forget about having a meatless option during Lent. And I see conference attendees decide to not eat that meal. But that's one meal. It's not every meal. And it's not necessarily people who are food insecure to start with. And that's a challenge, right? There's an author who is he's a former Wall Street Journal correspondent. His name is Roger Thoreau. And I'm going to probably botch his quote, but he says it so well. He says, poor nutrition is a life sentence for underperformance and underdevelopment. Yeah. And so you're really setting all these people up for failure when you're not delivering nutrition, food security, nutrition equity for them. So now that you've explained a little bit about what halal certification is, what it means, and who is looking for it, let's change gears a little bit and talk about how farmers out there could maybe get into meeting that demand in the halal market. Tell me more about certification and what you see as a way for farmers to meet that need. One of the biggest challenges, whether I'm talking to a big food service provider or a small food service provider, is that access to proteins that people have is very limited. And I'm talking about like food service vendors who want to add suppliers to their list that meet the standards required by Zavia Halal Slaughtered. So there's a lot of space and a lot of growth in this conversation. And the way a farmer 
could do this is they they could work with a butcher or they could hire halal slaughterman and they have to have the proper oversight right so to make sure that you know there's a lot of people that claim they're doing things and because there may not be laws to enforce it there's no way to build trust in that system so you know we, we want to make sure you have the proper oversight and that's something that our organization provides once you have that done you can become a supplier uh, for halal chicken or beef or whatever you're supplying and there is a demand for it for example when I'm working with university and colleges they are they are saying their biggest challenge is finding proteins to mm-hmm. fit their to fill their menus so there's definitely a niche there to be explored for farmers especially in the Midwest um, like for example we just found uh, University of Chicago was having trouble sourcing poultry and we found them a, a poultry farm in the Midwest and we were able to set up and this was a poultry farm that didn't do halal and we set it up for them we helped them set up their program and now they regularly supply the chicken to, to, the, to the university That was Asma Ahad she's the director of Halal Market Development for the Islamic Food and Nutrition Council of America she was sharing a little bit more about what halal is what the certification requirements are to meet halal standards and some insight on the halal market out there for farmers who might be interested in meeting that need. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about halal certification and what Asma does, check out ifanca.org. From the southern end of the longest barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. The whole point of a turnkey installation is that you don't have to do anything for this system. We do it all. All the permitting, we do all the work. Anything that needs to be done to make this system up and running and good, we take care of it for you. It seems like it never fails. I I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. Sure enough, that next month they want to show us their bill. Look, zero dollars. Go green, save green at OlsonSolarEnergy.com. Huh. Nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. When it comes to custom wedding rings, get to know your Denny's Jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Bringing home the bacon, literally. This is the Midwest Farm Report. 
And now we're going to be bringing in your forecast. Literally, I've got Stu Muck on with us on a Thursday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Stu, it is Groundhog Day today, but uh, I think I trust you more than the famous groundhog everyone will be watching this morning. Uh, His name is Punxsutawney Phil out of Pennsylvania. But Stu, what is your shadow telling us, or your forecast, rather? Are we going to see an early spring or long winter? Well, I'm pretty sure once the sun comes up and I go outside this morning, I'll see my shadow. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I know it's going to stay fairly mild yet today, but there is a cold front trying to swing in out of the northwest. That front lines up from northwest Wisconsin back into central South Dakota, right across Minnesota. There's a little snowfall in far northern Wisconsin, up toward Ashland, Bayfield, Duluth, and just into eastern parts of Minnesota. That little snow may cross southeastern Wisconsin. For any of us, there's the chance we could see a very scattered flurry or a brief snow shower today. For the most part, it's going to happen uh, yet this morning or toward later morning at La Crosse or Mauston. And then later in the afternoon, the further you are to the east and south, not going to amount to a great deal. Just a few snowflakes, but it's going to usher that cold front through. Ahead of that cold front, temperatures are a lot more mild this morning, a nice start, but they start to fall off or ready for the afternoon in the west and get a whole lot colder overnight, not into the day Friday. That's why wind chill advisories are in effect for all of us later tonight and into early Friday. It's going to be a whole lot colder Friday once that front is through. There's better news. It turns around really quickly. The high-pressure system follows this little bit of front through and heads right over to Wisconsin into Saturday. It brings around a bit more snow or a bit more sun, excuse me, and allows those temperatures to moderate. They head back up toward the 30s, the low and even mid-30s. Saturday, Sunday, there's a possibility there could be a 40 around on Monday, although a bit of a snow chance or maybe a rain-snow mix could try to edge on in as we move on toward Monday night as well. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a young farmer and agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Yeah, regardless of what that groundhog's verdict is, it looks like tonight and tomorrow is really the time to layer up, make sure your skin is covered if you have to go outside. It'll be a good time to be inside, though, at the Corn Soy Expo at the Kalahari Resort, at least until the temperatures turn around. Yeah, if you're leaving on Saturday, it's going to be a whole lot nicer. Well, it develops Saturday. Uh, Let's talk about today. A little morning sun, but some clouds develop. Even some flurries could be yet later this morning at La Crosse or Mauston. Into the afternoon, the further you head east and southeast, not going to amount to much. Clouds will develop with that activity. I'd still expect we head toward the upper teens and low 20s. Coldest in the west, of course. 
Those temps start to drop off at Lacrosse and Austin yet this afternoon. I think the rest of us hold on until evening. And the winds become west and even northwest, 5 to 15. Could gust up toward 20 yet this afternoon. The wind chill advisories start at 6 p.m. tonight at Lacrosse and Austin, run till 9 a.m. tomorrow at Lacrosse, 11 a.m. at Austin. All the rest of us had that wind chill advisory 11 p.m. tonight till noon tomorrow. Clear, colder, windy as well. Down to 10 below in the east, I'd say 14 or 15 below in the west. The northwest winds 5 to 15 could gust to 20. Wind chills down around 25 or maybe 30 below. Mostly sunny on Friday and cold single digits. Northwest winds 5 to 15, gusting near 20 or better. Becomes southwest by later in the day, start to diminish. Saturday, partly sunny, a better day. Low 30s, southwest winds at 5 to 15. More sunshine trying to hold on, but clouds build in for Sunday, Stephanie. But I'd expect to be pushing toward the mid-30s. Burr, and we'll talk more about that, uh, Stu, tomorrow. Have a good rest of the day. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. They say yes to seven straight days. A traveling dress rehearsal for you to get comfortable in the seat and feel the power behind the smartest purchase you've ever made. The seven day, no questions asked return policy, if you need it at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Experienced electricians, come join our team. Here's Dan, a commercial journeyman forever ready electric. Family company, they take care of people, they take care of their workers. There's a lot of benefits to working forever ready, including the fact that when you work on your education, they do reimburse you for that time. They're very good about sick time and very good about family. Competitive wages, great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net. For all your electrical needs, we are ever ready. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership 
and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Turning the page on Badger basketball and something that has been more successful as of late. It's National Signing Day for the Wisconsin football team when it comes to the 2023 recruiting class. Over, under, two and a half kids signing with the Badgers today. Under. Um, Is it because they don't know how to use a fax machine? Yes. Yeah. I remember this day used to be so big. (laughs) I remember like getting up, like if we started covering the team, Get up at like five thirty. Get you? ready. Yes, five thirty. Get re- start getting ready for like. Man. Actually, stay up late, do all your stuff. Then five thirty, six o'clock, you get up. Be waiting for those things to start coming in. Um, well, that's because the East Coast kids. When you're up at five thirty, it's six thirty there, and they're getting ready for school and all that. Yep. good stuff. Yeah, about seven, I believe at seven is when you could start faxing stuff in. Um, so yeah, back then it meant something. Now that early signing period in December is is the day that everyone uh, does their thing. And so Wisconsin signed 14 guys that day. And that's pretty much going to be their but doesn't class. doesn't it have to do Zach because of all the, the early signing is now, if you sign early, it's because you're more likely to uh, get on campus this spring. Yeah. Early signing period is a, a way for guys to make it known that where they want to do and where they want to go and whether they want to do it. They just wanted to separate a little about because guys, we want to put the hat on with the video committed, and we get yeah. likes and well, no, social media. Committed had, had been committed for so long. Like early enrollees, Nelson wasn't. Well, it definitely was a thing. And 
there were quite a few guys that did it at Wisconsin before before that early signing period. Mm. Um, so it's not like it, that was the only reason why, but it just, it just allows guys to get locked in and have their spot. Um, the only thing, I mean, I, so I'm taking the under today. However, there's a, a huge um, name, uh, the biggest name left on Wisconsin's board is named Schmel Howard. He was committed to Wisconsin. He's a defensive tackle. He was committed to Wisconsin, then decommitted. Uh, a lot of people had him going to Michigan. A lot of people then, then he had LSU and Miami, and a whole bunch of people came after him. Um, but it sounds like when he decides today that Wisconsin could be that um, could get their guy, and it's a huge it'd be a huge win because they don't have any defensive linemen in their class. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lose Cano Benton, who's tearing it up down there. He's a big guy, nose tackle type of guy that I think um, uh, would really be a huge addition to this this class and a great final addition if if it ends up being that way. But um, he's the only one that I that I know of that's still on their board that they're trying that that may get they may get today yeah weren't they targeting uh you know i know this was early in the luke fickle hire slash process but if i remember correctly they were looking for d tackles and tight ends for the end of the signing period but it looks like they're hitting their tight ends for 2024 yeah so going i think it was offensive line and defensive line um like at, at the beginning of the signing period, when, in, in December, like early or mid-December, because they, they didn't, they only had one offensive lineman in the class and no defensive lineman. So they hit the, the transfer portal to get a couple offensive linemen, and they have uh, now, if Howard commits today, they'll have two defensive linemen uh, joining them as well. So, yeah, tight ends, uh, I don't think was necessarily up there in terms of portal recruiting for future classes, yes, and we've seen that come through with the two guys that committed this week, but um, immediately, it was I think it was offensive line and defensive line. Zach, uh, before I let you go, I uh, let's see here uh, Garrett Steck, and then what yesterday, big time on a Wana Key Rob, Rob Booker. Rob Booker. Uh, this are we going to get any more fickle smoke screens at all? Anything? Hopefully, like I'm fiending. I'm fiending for it. Smoke screens. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, yeah. His little uh, bat, signal, his bat, bat signal. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why you call it. I, yeah. like, it's um, like the Pope smoke. Like, I like the new Pope. Like yeah, the yeah, smoke no, I got, That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, I got that. I was. I don't know why people call it a bat signal. Um, either way, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I think whatever it is, today. I need more of it. I think they'll get one today for Jamel Howard. Uh, in terms of guys committed in 2024, uh, this class has a chance to be really, really special. It may end up going down as one of the highest rated Wisconsin's ever had. Mm. There's a ton of there's a ton of in-state guys that are highly ranked. And uh, they're in on uh, all of them, and uh, there's some guys out of state too that they're they're hot after that have a chance to to push this class. I, it could be a, it could end up in the top twenty. Could end up in the top yeah, fifteen. We'll yeah. As of right now, Zach, it's ranked nineteenth on twenty four seven, which would be their yeah. second best ever. Yeah, the other and if you go back and look at their best ever, some of the guys who were in that class. It didn't necessarily pan out. So um, <laughs> hey, don't 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 pour cold water on us. Come on, what's going on here? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it all. Not saying it at all. Hey, Zach. Uh, speaking of the best, you are the best. Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back on a Thursday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yankee. The U.S. is putting together a second dispute settlement panel under the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement. The panel is going to challenge Canada's tariff rate quotas and failure to follow the USMCA. These quotas allow Canada to impose higher tariffs on imports over a certain quantity. And the U.S. argues it unfairly blocks key export opportunities for farmers and processors. 
Senator Tammy Baldwin had asked USTR to implement this next panel. She has more details for us on how it works. I asked her, why wasn't the problem fixed the first time around? Well, that's what we're going to find out. But the, um, this is kind of novel because obviously the USMCA is fairly new as things go. And this was really the first dispute settlement issue that was brought before the U.S. Trade Representative. The concern that uh, we've had, especially in Wisconsin, with the way Canada deals with certain type of uh, dairy product and how we're kind of being shut out of their market. So the the first dispute resolution panel recognized that, named that, and recommended actions. But the fact that we haven't seen our market share increase and that there are still problems suggests that we need to we need to use the provisions of the USMCA to have a second uh, dispute settlement conversation and get to the bottom of it and get it fixed. Senator, can you remind us why Canada's tariff rate quotas are a problem for Wisconsin farmers and processors? And do you have an example of how it's impacted any of your constituents? Yes. So what I can say is that one of the challenges is that Canada's process is, it's not transparent. It's not easy to see what exactly they're doing. But a few years back, I know that there were dozens of Wisconsin dairy farms that lost their export contracts into a processor in Canada and were, you know, had no place to send their milk. And it was very significant crisis. So it actually has a significant impact on Wisconsin and Wisconsin's dairy industry. It's precisely why we're not we're not letting the heat off. I wrote to the U.S. Trade Representative before they announced the, the second dispute settlement panel because I felt that it was really urgent that we get to the bottom of this. And, it, you know, it's necessary to ensure that Canada honors their commitments as they relate to dairy. Is there a timeline for this dispute to be reconciled? I don't know the specifics of the announcement of the U.S. Trade Representative, but, you know, from my perspective, this is urgent. There's rules, and Canada needs to honor their commitments, and I hope that uh, they can get down to business with uh, dispatch. How far does this go? Is there a step above a dispute panel, or do we just keep making panels and, ho- and hope something gets fixed? You know, it, it, this again, this is... Uh, unique from the perspective that is the first time these provisions from the USMCA have been used. And we knew uh, as we were entering this agreement that there were concerns with regard to Canada's dairy tariff rate quota. And so, you know, in my view, we're using the provisions of the USMCA to resolve this. But yeah, I, I I think that the whole reason for a trade agreement is to establish rules that need to be followed. 
That's U.S. Senator for Wisconsin Tammy Baldwin following the announcement that the U.S. is putting together a second dispute settlement panel under the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement. Again, this panel will be challenging Canada's tariff rate quotas and failure to follow the USMCA. Several dairy groups have already chimed in their support for this next dispute panel. Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative says its members appreciate the effort to hold Canada to the agreement and give the dairy community greater export opportunities as intended. And the National Milk Producers Federation says this panel is an important step in sending a message that the U.S. will fight violations of trade deals, whether it's with Canada or elsewhere. I'll be back with more agribusiness news and a look at your markets on a Thursday morning. Stay tuned. With the way the Wisconsin weather is treating us, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go home to something warm and comforting every day? And guess what? Bavaria Sausage can help you do that. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for Judy and the crew. You know where they're at, don't you? Retail location, corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. Open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5. Or always open online, BavariaSausage.com. And don't forget about their Facebook page. You know what? They have got some old world family recipes that are available on their website. Something that you can take and make for your own. Everything from German potato salad right on through to sauerkraut, homemade spatzel, different recipes, all with that authentic German flair that you can create in your own kitchen. And of course, remember, if you're looking for something that can help put the final touches on your meal, everything from gravies to soups, sauces, spices, well, they've got it for you. Check it out. It's so much more than brats. Bavaria Sausage. Dairy economist Mark Stevenson recently retired from his position as the director of the Center for Dairy Profitability at UW-Madison, but he was back on campus for the 2023 Agriculture Outlook Forum. He says in 2023, dairy will find value in export markets. We can never um, look away from our near neighbors. Mexico is our biggest uh, consumer for export sales. Uh, Canada is usually number two or number three, so they're, they're right up there as well. Um, But if we're looking for new sales opportunities, we're probably going to continue to cultivate Southeast Asia, where we've had quite a bit in the way of increased sales, uh, you know, particularly to countries like Vietnam and and Japan and others. Cheese sales have been up. That's been kind of a new thing for us, too. And we have exported for many years now um, milk powder products, but cheese has taken a noticeable rise in the last two or three years, and we expect that to continue. Dairy economist Mark Stevenson is the the former director of the Center for Dairy Profitability at UW-Madison. Let's take a look at our dairy markets. From Chicago, the March Class 3 milk contract is trading up 9 cents at 17.73 a hundredweight. April milk is also up 9 cents at 18.02 a hundredweight. As you prepare your 2022 tax returns, minimize the risk of identity theft by keeping personal information private. The Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection says identity theft is the most reported consumer issue in Wisconsin. Here's some quick tips to protect yourself. Never store your social security number on a device that could get hacked. And file your taxes early so identity thieves don't have a chance to do it first. We've got more tips at MidwestFarmReport.com. Let's take a look at our cash markets from Chicago this morning. Cash corn is up a penny and three quarters at 682 and three quarters. Cash soybeans are up a nickel and a half at 1525 and three quarters. And cash wheat is trading up nine and three quarters at 769 and a half. Up next, we've got Andy Fallman from Everegg. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is gonna tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Is fatigue and lack of libido keeping you on the injured reserve list? It could be symptoms of low testosterone. After the age of 30, men begin to notice this reduction in quality of life due to natural hormonal decline. But there is something you can do about it. Carbon World Health offers custom-designed hormone replacement treatment. They'll determine if you need testosterone replacement or growth hormone therapy. Don't let low T keep you on the bench. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. For all of you that had your first date riding around the field in a tractor cab, this is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back to the Midwest Farm Report. I'm Stephanie Hoff. It's Thursday, and that means we've got Everegg on with us. This morning, Andy Fallman brings his expertise. He works with customers on insurance and brokerage. Andy, let's just jump right into what's at the top of your mind this morning, cheese. But more specifically, pressure in European cheese prices. For me, you know, what we started to see, and if I can kind of take it back to what we looked at last year, right? I mean, in 2022, Class 3 had some record high prices, particularly like I think in the June, July time frame. But um, a lot of that was due in large part because of what, ha- what was going on in Europe. And in short, they weren't able to supply themselves. Milk production was tight, cheese production, you know, the, the whole chain there. Um, it was hard. And, you know, uh, we certainly saw the effects of that by, you know, we are traditionally a supplier to them. You know, we came and even became an even bigger supplier to them. But, you know, just like here, you know, the cure for high prices is high prices all over the world. And, you know, there was a clear signal to be producing milk and um, by price, right? And, you know, that started to you know, really start to push, you know, production, um, obviously for milk, but also, too, some of these physical products. And, you know, that said, too, we're all starting to see a little bit of waning in demand. That was actually something that came out of the most recent uh, IDFA conference, uh, Dairy Forum show in, in uh, Florida this past week, is that it's, you know, demand just continues to be something that softens. And so... Um, it's just, it's interesting to note because, you know, typically, like I said, we're a supplier to Europe. Um, but, you know, given the pressure that we're seeing out of the cheese market there, you know, for things like Mott's and Gouda, they have turned and become somewhat of a supplier to us. So that's a, that's, that to me is a pretty substantial change. 
And, you know, if you think about like a domestic end user that's buying cheese domestically, but, you know, can source it out of, you know, somewhere in Europe, you know, substantially cheaper than where they're getting it here, you know, before we start to really see some weakness of the spot market here in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, they could source it cheaper. And then that, you know, that, that ultimately creates pushback for the domestic supplier or the domestic um, producer who then, you know, that in turn brings pressure onto the CME ultimately, right? And, um, you know, for reference, we export, call it between 80 to 85 million pounds of cheese per month. So even if they brought, you know, I don't want to say 5 million pounds isn't a lot, but, you know, even if they only bought 5 million pounds worth of cheese, you know, that that extra 5 million, that's an extra 100 load that, that makes its way ultimately to the CME and brings pressure. And so we were hearing prices as low as, call it like around fifty, you know, U.S. dollar equivalent, which, you know, I think has certainly brought some weakness to the CME spot market blocks. Uh, have found themselves under two bucks and holding there for a while now. Um, and barrels, CME barrels are just shy of a dollar sixty and holding there too. So I, I think that's a pretty big, you know, um, you know, reaction, so to speak, or you know, because of what's happening in the EU. What you did not mention, Andy, and I don't mean to throw you a curveball, but what about what's happening in the Netherlands with talk about buying up dairy farms to reduce livestock numbers in areas where they say the environment is at risk? Sure. No, and that's something to be on. That's certainly something that's on the the burner here, right? But um, we haven't seen that. I don't believe we've seen that legislation get put in place fully. It's become, to my understanding, there's a you know a voluntary period right now. Um, so I totally agree. That is something that is on the horizon. But uh, you know, when I think about you know what's going on right here, right now in front of us, you know, they've got they've got cheese, and you know they're bringing it, and they're it's it's pretty clear in terms of the price action that we're seeing both here and with the walls on the exchange. That you know, there's there's a bit of an issue with respect to like call it like the last five percent worth of product that can't get moved. Silver lining there, you know, it's it's you know, and traditionally when you start to see this kind of activity, it's you know, what what do we, what do we need to do to get this last five percent moved, and then where do we go from here? So, but to your point, again, it's something to definitely be mindful of. I want to be mindful of that, you know, going in the latter part of this year, going into the next year. Um, I guess you know, my concern is. You know what, what's happening right here, right now. What's right in front of us? Called like the the tail end of February futures, March, April, and even May. Speaking of the here and now, Andy, another thing that's been on your mind: milk production. It's up year over year, but lower than what was expected. What influence is that going to have in the marketplace, or are there more market moving reports to come? I think it will ultimately. You know, it. Um, so I think analyst expectation was anywhere from up one and a half to one point eight percent. Um, I know uh, that our company was kind of in that realm, right in that range. So, and it came in, I want to say, just uh, just under 1% higher by, I believe, 0.8. So, while higher year over year, that's still, you know, call it just uh, under a percent less than what, you know, the market was anticipating. We saw a little bit of upside in the futures as a result of, but, you know, I think it's a response, you know, it's an initial beginning response to some of these lower prices. I think the the key mill production reports, I believe, are really going to be for call it like January and, and February and probably even March. Definitely feel like you're going to start to see a response out of the producer, given some of these lower class three prices, especially. But you know, that said, there were you know it seemed like um, given last year, some checks being deferred, it may take a little bit longer, obviously, right? But um, I, I think some of the key mill production reports going forward are going to be you know how does supply respond to what has been a clear softening of demand and you know, not just, again, here, but overseas that has brought some of that excess supply in terms of product here. 
So while I have you on, Andy, where are milk prices going? Are we going to reach the $20 mark again, or are we going to stay stagnant at this $17, $18 range? I, I think it's going to be, I think the $20 handle is possible, depending on what they do now, right? I mean, if we can continue to see, you know, weakness, in the export space, I believe at $1.60, we're competitive. Right, and so you're seeing the CME barrel market there. We seem to have found some stability. I think we're getting some exports booked. It's, you know, do we see the block market continue to weaken up? Do we see, do we see that export market start to pick up? I think if it does, you know, in the next call of three months or so, then I think you can have a much friendlier, you know, second half of the year, call it, you know, June, July, August. But you know, again, if if you continue to see this, you know, about a super wide spread between the block and the barrel, and you're just not able to get competitive in the export space, you know, because you're seeing some of these other, you know, larger, you know, like EU, for example, getting aggressive with their offers, then I, I think we can have somewhat of a muted year. It's tough to say it now, but I mean, I, I think if you can get prices low enough, clean some stuff out, then it is possible to have, I, I think, a decent rally out forward. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be highly contingent on what kind of export business we get off, depending on how low we go now. You've been referencing cheese a lot, Andy, but that's not the only dairy product that you have your eyes on. Another component you've been watching has been nonfat dry milk, which you say has been finding some support. Yep, yep, yep. No, it's been, um, I mean, it's, we had some, uh, obviously, you think about like what happened with class four last year too, not just butter, but nonfat was, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was pretty high. Right, and and some of the stuff, some of the talk that we were getting some out of some of the most recent shows is you start talking about a dollar ten, you know, the ex- we get competitive again in the export space. That I thought the futures market too was was kind of telling us that it was going to be a little bit tough to get down to a dollar ten, given some of the volumes we started to see. Conversely, I think you start to lose some of the natural selling. So you know, like today, for example, I mean, we climbed to just shy of one twenty. Um, I, I do think that that market. Again, in the export space, but also too just domestically, we started to see some good support. But we've also had a substantial break there. So to see uh, a, a, a retracement of sorts after breaking, you know, just over seventy cents a pound, I, I think it's definitely in the cards, and it's something we can see. I think the market finds stability around dollar twenty to a dollar twenty-five, and see where we go from there. Does the non-fat dry milk market matter to Wisconsin producers? Is that where our milk is going? Not as much. I mean, it's going to be predominantly class three. It's going to be predominantly class three, but um, you know, if you know, one thing to think about too is if non-fat dry milk is cheap enough, you start to see it get bought, you know, bought by you know cheese processors, fortifies the bat, you know, increases yield for cheese. So while it may not have a direct, you know, uh, pricing component in terms of class three, class three is cheese and whey. Um, you can see some indirect, um, indirect functional, you know, indirect. Um, impact there, right? And if you know you get a wide enough spread, you start to see some milk move away from class three and into class four. So, um, I, I, and traditionally too, we've seen nonfat be a pretty big leader in the market. It's a, it's, it's, it's the Titanic. When it starts moving, it starts moving, but it can also, you know, really move the complex around with it. It's interesting to note that uh, that market has started to find some stability here. Andy, thanks for joining us this morning. It's easy enough to get a hold of Andy Fallman at ever.ag 